Jackson's of Kingfisher is a family-owned and operated dealership in Kingfisher, America, with the motto, come join the family. And when they say it, they mean it. My family and I have been embraced by Casey and the Jackson family from day one, and I'm here to tell you that if you're in the market for a new or used car, truck, or SUV, and want a straightforward, no-hassle car buying experience, Jackson's of Kingfisher is the dealership for you. Give them a call at 866-695-8010, or check them out online at jacksonsofkingfisher.com. And right now, let out the beast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. Today in the Sam Mays podcast, we're interviewing my good friend and owner of Totally Tickets, Mike Fletcher. Mike is a uh, baseball advocate, a fanatic, a, a lifelong fan, a World Series goer, and uh, I'm jealous. The, the list of games that you've been to uh, over the years is absolutely incredible. I mean, you really, really do love America's pastime. I do. I would say that... Uh I love my kids, my wife, and baseball. And if you ask my wife, sometimes it's not in that order. <laughs> uh, when we got married, we got married during the World Series. And I told her that was fine, but she just had to expect to celebrate her anniversary at the World Series every year. But luckily, she's a baseball girl, so she's fine with that. And so that's what you guys are doing, celebrating your anniversary at the World Series. We do. We do sometimes. That's uh, awesome. Or I go and we celebrate our anniversary when I get back. But, nice. Very yeah. cool. Good stuff. All right, real quick before we get started, I gotta, I gotta pay the bills. My fiance Brittany, who's uh, in charge of all the business stuff, has got this a list for me um, that I am so appreciative. She helps me do all this prep work. But if you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We appreciate your support, no question. Uh, and speaking of support, we'd like to thank our title sponsor, Nature's Key. I've been using Nature's Key products for over two months now, and it's been incredible. It's changing my everyday life, my attitude, my mindset, and the way that I train is significantly better because, look, I'm old, I'm 40, I'm beat up, and without the anti-inflammatory aspect of this, without the um, energy aspect of, of the CD, CBD products I'm taking, I would be in bad shape. Um, I highly recommend trying their Oklahoma Sunrise gummies. I literally start my day with those every day. And be sure to check them out at keytonaturesblessings.com and use the code MAZE2022 for 20% off your entire order. Big thank you to Nature's Key. Mike, I am not what I would call a baseball fan, right? And it's not necessarily because of I have anything against the game. I just grew up in an area where baseball wasn't necessarily something that we were doing. It was way easier to find a group of kids in a basketball in a local hoop than it was to, uh, you know, find baseball gloves and bats and everything else. And it just wasn't something that I grew up with. But I'm a history buff, and I love the game of baseball and how it is intertwined through American history. We're talking all the way back to the 1800s and the Civil War, where baseball was played to obviously kind of uh, help those guys cope with everything that was happening around them. And they, t after the war, they took it home with them. And really, that's our, our beginning of baseball, right? The Civil War era. How crazy is that? It is crazy. And baseball, it just seems to mirror America in a lot of ways. As a matter of fact, I remember when I was graduating from the University of Oklahoma, my senior capstone essay project was Jackie Robinson's impact on America and the civil rights movement and how would America be different today if Jackie Robinson hadn't happened. That's incredible. 
and that's what I did my senior capstone project. That's for. awesome. Very cool. So, yeah, Jackie Robinson, a, a huge figure, obviously, in the civil rights movement and American history. Um, I was blown away just kind of going back. And I've, I've known baseball's history. I, I've read about it before. But just kind of in preparation of the show, just taking the time and, and going back and taking a look at just some of the, the big uh, moments in American history. Talk about the Civil War and, and how both soldiers on, you know, played as, a, as kind of uh, let's forget the horror of the war that we're in this is literally one of america's bloodiest battles like the the bloodiest war in american history uh, was the civil war and the fact that baseball survived that you get into the world war one and world war two you're just telling me a story about a war, world war one or world war two uh it was world war two uh duke snyder uh served in the navy and uh i'm just going to read this quote from the story that i saw uh he said no world series moment ever scared me as much I was no authority on loading or firing shells. All I had been told in drill was that you press this lever, a shell comes up, you put it in and press another lever, and the shell goes boom. I pressed the first lever, the shell came up. I put it into the loading chamber. I was actually shaking while waiting for the command to fire. Two ships might start firing at each other in the middle of the Pacific Ocean as part of World War II, and I was going to be the one to start it. Seconds before the command came to fire, the other ship identified itself as friendly. I needed an immediate change of underwear. Later, I learned that my father was on the ship, as Duke's father also served. I mean, I can't even imagine. So I, I also spent some time reading about those wars. And, you know, when you say something like that, you always think about today's modern-day athlete. And so the first thing I think of is, if what, what does LeBron James look like in that moment, you know, telling a story like that, being essentially drafted, you know what I mean? Drafted to go fight a, a world war. Right now we're watching the battle, uh, the war unfold there with Russia and Ukraine, and you've got some major, you know, athletes, some, uh, the Klitschko brothers over there, one mayor, yeah. and, you know, we're over there fighting on the front lines uh, of a war, and it's just an insane thing. That happened right here in America. You know, Ty Cobb served in the military, right? Ty Cobb served in, in World War One. It's insane to think that over 800 Major League Baseball players were a part of those World Wars combined, 50 Hall of Famers served uh, at that time. And, you know, when you think about the World Wars in comparison to today, you know, we're talking trench warfare, right? We're talking. And there's some big, big names that served. I mean, Jackie Robinson served in the military before he played. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look up Larry Doby, who's in the Hall of Fame, he was the first black player in the American League. Oh, wow. Larry Doby may have become the first black player before Jackie Robinson if it weren't for service. He was the Negro League batting champion in 1942 at age 17. That's insane. Uh, and he might have broken the color barrier before Jackie Robinson, but he was drafted in 1943 and didn't return until 1946 and needed another year in the Negro Leagues before he made it to the Major Leagues with the Indians late in 1947 after Jackie came up. Unbelievable. So Yeah, that's it's unbelievable some of the stories that you've heard uh, coming out of the wartime, a lot of those guys worked with uh, um, chemical weapons and like all kinds of things. Like they were, you know, they were instructors, they were uh, airmen, they were in the Navy. I mean, across the board, you can find Major League Baseball players. And because of the World Wars, uh, we had the uh, the birth of the uh, Women's League, right? The, the All-American yep. Girls Baseball League came yep. out of that. I love A League of Their Own. It's one of my favorite sports movies. movies. Oh, it's great, right? Great Watch movie. it every single time I see it on. Uh, but, uh, you know, baseball survived then and, you know, kind of reflected what was happening back in our country as 
women took on a role in the war effort that they had never taken on before. Rosie the Riveter was, you know, a, a, a prominent figure at that time as she was, uh, you know, the, the vision of the new American woman as she went to the factories and to building tanks and building bombs and building everything else. And, you know, here we go with, with women in baseball and those incredible uniforms, which I'm sure they hated <laughs> at the time because they weren't conducive to baseball success. But, you know, women were not only working for us in the war effort, but also uh, working hard on the diamond. It's, it's a fantastic story. Yeah, it is. And I'll tell you the other thing is I was looking at some stuff about baseball during wartime. It is amazing to me how many guys left in the prime of their careers right. to serve our country. I mean, it would literally be akin to Trey Young going and serving right now. Right. You know, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, like in the absolute prime of their career. I mean, Warren Spahn lost three years right before his career started when he was young to the military, where if he'd have started his career three years earlier, he's still the winningest left-handed pitcher in history. That's crazy. 363 victories. And you got a guy like Ted Williams. I mean, Ted Williams lost five years to military service. Wow. Five years and still is one of the greatest hitters of all time with over 500 home runs. I mean, it honestly, Ted Williams plays five more years. It could have been Ted Williams' record that Hank Aaron was chasing and not the Bambino. Right. You know, that, that part of uh, American history is so interesting uh, because of the, I mean, compared to today, we would be lying to say that every American feels patriotic every single day, right? We would be lying to say that uh, everyone in America is, is, has one heartbeat. Like, that's not the case at all. At that time, it wasn't the case either, but... I mean, just obviously with the, the civil rights conversation and what was happening with African-Americans in the country during those world wars. But it just seemed like when they were called, Americans answered, right? And there was a, a, a duty to go fight for your country, a patriotic duty. And I don't necessarily know if that was to happen today, you would feel the same way. Would we see a Trey Young? And not, not to, I hate to say his name. Like, would we see one of the NBA stars in a situation like that say, I'm going to give up you know, prime basketball, and I'm going to go fight in the armed services of forces. We saw uh, Pat Tillman. I, Pat Tillman, yes, yeah. Arizona Cardinals. You know, he he did that. But the names that you're mentioning, we're talking about legends of the game. We're talking about uh, men that are still you know reigning on the top of the record books, and it's just incredible. I mean, we like watching a LeBron James right now say, uh, "I can't play basketball. I'm going to go defend my country." Well, and I don't even know if people know this, but when Jackie Robinson was in the army in April of 1942. Um, he refused to sit in the back of a military bus. He was Rosa Parks actually before Rosa Parks. Wow. And he was actually court-martialed for it. Uh, he was later acquitted because it was in violation of the uh, act that uh, prohibited racial discrimination within uh, the Army area. But he eventually was medically discharged due to a broken bone in his ankle, which wow. they say occurred in a skirmish over him sitting in the back of the bus. Wow, that's incredible. So, I've never heard that story yeah. before. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, it, it really is amazing on how, like I said, baseball just kind of, it, it has taken us through life as Absolutely. far as just, you know, civil rights and war and guys giving up their careers. It's, right. Uh, like the civil rights conversation didn't really start to rage until around the 1960s. What happened from the late 1800s? 
uh, in the game of baseball until that 1960 Jackie Robinson the crossing the color barrier conversation, you know, was uh, essentially an unwritten ban of, of Negroes from uh, the professional sport of baseball, which caused them to go barnstorming, right? The barnstorming leagues, which were incredible stories. And then eventually the Negro League uh, came up. But, you know, one of one of the black baseball history's most infamous and, and famous players, uh, Leroy Satchel Page, I mean, he traveled over 30,000 miles a year traveling to these little by bus, t- by bus right by, by bus, bus. <laughs> staying in fans homes yep right and and not only just black fans but in some t- cases he mentioned the story about staying in a white family's house in iowa and and talking baseball with them uh but yeah he's just bebopping around the, the country making money uh throughout the year playing in essentially whatever little farm leagues against teams that consisted of maybe the townsfolk and and here's the thing too jackie broke the color barrier in 1947 Larry Doby played in 47, but it really didn't become integrated, let's be honest, until the 50s. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, in the 50s you had Hank Aaron, you had Willie Mays, and there were plenty of other players, Jim yeah. Gilliam. I think the first you know. all-black team wasn't until like 1970. Oh. The Pittsburgh Pirates, yes. I think. Yes, yep. Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. I think you're correct on that. Yeah. First time, first time that there was a major league starting lineup with all black players. It's crazy. Yeah. The 70s. When were the, you born? 1974. What? That's insane, right? Like, look how, yeah. how recent that is. Yeah. I mean, we're not old men sitting here t- having this conversation. That's, Speak for yourself. It's yeah. insane. It's <laughs> insane. Speaking of insanity, I've got to mention this. Um, yesterday, it just became a federal offense, right, to lynching. Just became a federal crime yesterday after over 200 attempts. And I just want to throw that out there as we talk about civil rights and the fact that the seventies is how long it took to be an all black team. Like there's some people out there that want to talk about racism and how it's not a real thing, how it's not a thing. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely a real thing. And think about the 200 times that they tried to make lynching a federal crime that someone fought against it. Imagine who that human being is and the supporters that he has. So I'm happy (laughs) <laughs> obviously as a black man sitting here uh, that lynching is now a federal hate crime it's in, insane that we're just now having that conversation but these men uh were back fighting for these things you know 40 50 60 years ago uh and like you said you know baseball kind of walks in that same line with american history and, and going back to serving our country and just how the patriotism isn't what it used to be you can see that just from the fact world war one world war two over 800 major leaguers served and who knows how many other professional athletes. And I believe I looked in World War One, eight major league players gave the ultimate sacrifice. In World War Two, it was three. Yet you get to Vietnam, very few professional athletes served. As a matter of fact, the only professional athlete that lost their life is an Oklahoman, and that's Bob Kalsu. Oh, I didn't know this. He played at the University of Oklahoma and was a linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. I had no idea. He's the only professional athlete that lost his life in Vietnam. Yeah, there's some, obviously some stories out there about guys dodging and, and you know, doing their best not to, to go overseas and, and fight. But you want to talk about a, a war that, as far as controversy is concerned, I mean, the, the country was split. We should be there. We shouldn't be there. Obviously, uh, a lot of young people at that time believed that the war was not what the, the America needed and not where we should be doing and bad things were happening. And, and you talk about professional athletes at the time. We're talking about young men in their 20s, you know, in right. their teens at, in some cases. So that makes sense. That's crazy, though, the drop-off. When you're right. talking 800 between the two world wars and one. Yeah, I mean, I mean more than one served, but he's right. the only one that 
gave the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, he was from Midwest City and uh, played. He was an All-American linebacker at OU and played for the Buffalo Bills and went off to Vietnam. And actually, wow. uh, I'm 95% sure about this. His wife was pregnant at the time, and he ended up having a son that he never met. Wow. So, what an incredible story. Yeah. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Bob Kelsu. Uh, there's got to be something down in Norman. Like a, is there like a. You know, I've long said, I know Oklahoma does not, this is getting off topic. I know OU does not retire football jersey numbers. Right. But if you ever did, that'd probably have to be one of the first ones you, did, you retire. 100%. He was an All American and then gave the ultimate sacrifice as an American. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. It's very cool. That's an awesome story. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to throw in there in the civil rights conversation. Yeah, I did want to say this. That those barnstorming leagues that were uh, around the country through, over the years, they, white players played in those also. They did. So Babe Ruth actually did play in some of the – could you imagine, like, your, Babe Ruth is – there was a kid out there that had Babe Ruth stay at his house one night. You know, as he played in a barnstorming league in the middle of Iowa. Like, what an incredible uh, story that is. Like, just to think of, you know, who we are today, uh, what uh, technology has done for us, and how simple things were back then. Like, these guys are just on a bus, you know, riding 30,000 miles a year just to play the game of baseball. It's, it's awesome. Well, and it's amazing that, you know, back then no one was getting paid the money they are now. So right. a lot of these guys had second jobs. I mean, yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, I remember a, a friend of mine telling me, that his dad, growing up in Brooklyn, that his next-door neighbor was Joe Black, pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and he would play baseball during the spring and summer, and the winter, he was a substitute teacher. <laughs> substitute incredible. teacher for $10 a day. Wow. $10 a day, because he needed the money. Right. And there's no baseball player getting side jobs right now, I can tell you that. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the money in baseball here uh, pretty quick, but I wanted to, to mention also... Uh, baseball, even I, I would say in the last 30 or so years, uh, the sport has 100% seen a decline as far as the amount of Americans that are tuning in on any given day to watch the sport of baseball. If you live in a Major League Baseball city, you have a nice Major League Baseball nucleus. You can tell just by the television contract you're getting in cities like Houston for Major League Baseball. It's an absurd amount of money. So people are still invested where baseball is, but around across the country where there you know, isn't a, a direct link to Major League Baseball, it is a struggle, uh, no question. But... Even then, there's been iconic moments where baseball has, you know, has held the stage for an, an American history moment. President George W. Bush throws out the first pitch in World Series Game 3, seven weeks after 9-11. There's not an American that didn't tune in, and there wasn't a dry eye in the country, right, as we were going through another turbulent time. And in that moment, you know, I, I played for Les Miles. I think Les was the only college football coach in the country to actually have practice on 9-11. And what he said was – what terrorists do is, is they, they try to get us out of our everyday way of life. Like, they want to put fear in you so you stop doing what you're doing, right? Have that impact. And he refused on that day. And I felt like watching uh, President Bush go out there and throw that opening pitch was very much of we're still here. We're still doing what Americans do. And I, I love that. You know, even as somebody that wasn't a baseball fan, I knew what that meant in the sports, and I knew what that meant for our country. Well, and the fact that the attacks, for the most part, happened in New York, Right, and that game was Yankees Mets. Mm -hmm. Mike Piazza goes out and hits a home run. Um, as a matter of fact, I think I just saw a few weeks ago where they auctioned off the bat that Piazza used to hit that home run, and it sold for fifty or sixty thousand dollars. Wow! I mean, the baseball collectibles market. We could do a whole nother show about that. I mean, it's which just we incredible. will one day. It's yes. just incredible. 
But, yeah, you've got moments like that, and then you have times in baseball where it just captures the country, like the Sammy Sosa-Mark McGuire home run race in 1998. Absolutely I mean, incredible. The, the whole country was just captivated yep. by who would hit. And we talk about the PED stuff, but it was just all about who could hit the home runs. Yeah. I remember was tuning watching. in, watching you know, ESPN in the morning before school, wanting to see if those guys hit a home run. You know, and then the other thing is I'd say after we can go into some of the labor issues if you want, but after they canceled the World Series in 1994 – I'll make the argument that Cal Ripken saved baseball in 1995 when uh, he broke the record of Lou Gehrig. I mean, yeah. people were just captivated by that. Um, even though it's not a home run record, it's just it's a record that it will never be broken again. I'm glad you brought up Cal Ripken, and it's something I want to get into here in a minute. It just uh, it's amazing how you say Cal Ripken and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and those guys, those men's faces pop directly into my head, and I think there's a bunch of Americans that would feel the same way. You say Mike Trout today, and you put 100 strangers off the street and say, who is Mike Trout or which, which one of these pictures is Mike Trout? 90 of them aren't going to have a clue, right? It's insane what's happened in such a short amount of time as far as the star power that baseball had. And those guys are getting paid star money, but people just don't know them like they used to. Um, the other one that stuck out to me was 2013. The Boston Red Sox uh, proved Boston strong with a win in the, uh, the shadow of the Boston Marathon of the World Series Incredible moment there. You know, like you just you get goosebumps thinking about that cast of characters, you know, Big Poppy on that Big team. Big Poppy. And just the uh, the emotional leader that he was and just the champion for the city that he was. And I'm, I'm getting choked up literally right now just thinking about it. Like it is it, – it was just an, an, an iconic sports moment. Like you had to just – to turn down, you know, to close all the doors and turn up the TV and just listen to the roar uh, of that venue was incredible. And, and the thing about something like that is – I'm not a Red Sox fan. I've probably never cheered for the Red Sox, but that was one of the exceptions. Everyone was cheering for the Red Absolutely. Sox. Absolutely. Everybody. Absolutely. It was uh, – that was a moment. There's no doubt. And they came through in a big way. And there was – you know, there, the way that they won also was exciting. It was just awesome. It was an awesome display of, of uh, that city, awesome display of Americans and, and kind of just, once again, continue to do what they do. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's get into the lockout a little bit. 2022 was Major League Baseball's ninth work stoppage in history. Uh, and baseball, it's amazing the jump that it's taken, right, from America's pastime and everybody loves it to, you know, through all these work stoppages and the amount of money that these men are making just skyrocketing. The amount of money that the owners are making is not even feasible for the average human being to understand, you know, what they're worth now, the value there. So now we look at millionaires arguing with billionaires and the average American person gets turned off by this a little bit. Absolutely. And I was turned off again once again this year, not only with the stoppage, Mike, but Houston cheated and won a World Series and then wasn't really reprimanded for it. Like, I feel like baseball's got the leadership of baseball has forgotten everything that we just spoke about. I was literally about to say it's a leadership issue. Yeah. There has never been a David Stern in baseball. Right. David Stern grew the NBA. David Stern promoted the NBA. He did what was best for the long term of the sport. And maybe, yes, sometimes it's about money. I'm not saying it's about not about money. We all know sports are about money. But I think David Stern always kept the big picture and long-term in mind over the short-term benefit. Absolutely. And baseball has not had a leader to do that. I mean, honestly, I don't know if there's been a leader like that in baseball in my lifetime. Right. I mean, it sure wasn't Bud Selig. It sure isn't Rob Manfred. Before that, we had, you know, Peter Uberoth. I mean, I guess I'm a little too young to remember him. But 
you know, I remember baseball's first strike in my lifetime, or I believe it was 1981, and it was in the middle of the season. Wow. And they actually had a split season where you had the games before the strike and you had a division winner, and then you had the games after the strike and you had a division winner, and then they played off in a mini playoffs before the World Series when the Dodgers played the Yankees. Holy crap. Yeah. That's insanity. And uh, so then they went like nine years without one, and in 1990 – there was a lot. Owners locked the players out. Very similar to this one. Didn't miss any games. Maybe missed one or two. Delayed, you know, spring training. But people don't really notice that. The one that I think really killed the popularity of baseball, and it kills me personally because I'm a White Sox fanatic, and we were the best team in baseball in 1994. They canceled the World Series. Right. And when you cancel the World Series. There's just no recovering from that. There's right. something, sure, some people have come back, but you will never get all those people back. Right. And all those kids that were five, six, seven, ten, I mean, by then I was 20. But all those kids that were playing baseball, looking forward to going to the games, their parents didn't take them to games anymore. And the right. next year came, and they don't want to give their money. They don't want to spend $500 for a family to go to a game when – you guys canceled last year? The you, guys aud- are, the you guys have 20 times as much money as right. anybody. Right. 200 times as much money. Right. You know, now, the one thing I will say is <clears throat> I'm on the side of the players for this lockout. Now, people say, how do you do that? They're making $50 million a year. The owners are the business owners. They're taking the, quote, risk. But here's my reasoning I was on the side of the players. Number one, baseball players actually get a lower percentage of the overall pie than NFL players, NBA players, or even NHL players. They get a lower percentage of the revenue. I had no idea. They do. Interesting. And they play. Despite the fact that their salaries are higher. Yeah. They also play twice as many games as NBA players and NHL players and 10 times as many games as NFL players. Right. So they're actually getting a lower percentage of the pie. The other problem I have is baseball players have long manipulated service times for players, and that was a big sticking point for players this go-round. Service times. Service time, yeah. It's a big reason why Chris Bryant was left the Cubs, was traded from the Cubs, and he's on the Giants now. Okay. I'm sorry, he was on the Giants, now he just signed with the Rockies. Okay. And it's because when Chris Bryant was good enough to come to the major leagues, the Cubs didn't bring him up to the major leagues. Oh, I got you. Why? Because we only control his contract for X amount of years once he comes up to the major leagues for so long. So they just left them down in the minors. So That's that they, pretty terrible. So they leave him in the minors an extra 30 or 60 days so they can keep his contract for another year on a rookie-scale contract. Now, some people argue, well, that's just business. Right. There's just got to be a balance between it. And when the guy was the absolute best player in the minor leagues, he should have been in the major leagues. Right. But instead, they weren't doing that. And then the other thing is – you know, people think expanding the playoffs helps, right? Oh, team's going to make the playoffs. They're going to want to spend money. But I actually had a discussion with a few people that I know that know a lot more about baseball than me, and they think adding teams makes teams not spend money because they think if 14 teams make the playoffs, here's what happens. Oh, I made the playoffs. I was competitive. Oh, and yeah. And they don't try and go get better and spend money on better players because, well, I made the playoffs. Right. Then you miss it a couple of years. Then you make it, and you get ousted in the first round. Well, we're a playoff team. Right. Well, when half the teams are in the playoffs, how big of an accomplishment is it really? Right, it isn't. You know, it's kind of like it's almost like asking yourself, (laughs) would you rather be the – let's just say the Rams. The Rams weren't really very good before the last 
year or two. Right. Would you rather be the Rams and win it all once every 15, 20 years? Or would you rather be, not to pick on them, but would you rather be the Oklahoma City Thunder and go to the playoffs a lot, never win it? Right. The old question, right? I don't know how I feel about that. Like to see one get one every 20 years in Oklahoma City would be freaking amazing. Right. You know, I'm getting three in my lifetime, right? I mean, three, I mean, hopefully I live longer than that, but you see what I'm saying. Like that would be. And it's crazy because the Thunder, the one team I want to win it so bad right now. Right. Because I've seen all my other teams win. You know, I've seen the White Sox win. I've seen the Blackhawks win multiple Stanley Cups. Growing up, I saw the Bulls win, but now I'm a Thunder fan and they haven't won yet. I've seen the Sooners win a national championship. You know what? It's time for another one. Right. You know. Right around that 20-year mark. Yeah. yeah. getting Just over that 20-year you know, mark. But I, I don't, I don't want to be – I guess, I guess the, actually college football might be the better thing. Would you rather be, you know, OU and win it once every 20 years? Right. Or would you rather be, I don't know, Oregon, and you're always really good winning your conference, but you never win it? Right. Right. I mean – I, I wish that I could tell you that I competed for a national championship. I wish I cheered for a team that won a national championship in the college game for sure. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, okay. The, where do you feel like in 2022, what is the current state of Major League Baseball? I feel like this lockout was loud in the beginning. I think that it's alarming to see how little coverage it got every day as it went on and how okay people were with baseball just not being a part of the conversation at its normal time. Like, did you – I didn't miss opening day. You know what I mean? As a casual fan. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think diehards did, but it's not like I was like, man, it's that time of the day, year for opening day, and it's not here, and that sucks. You know what I mean? I'm missing it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm a casual football fan and a passionate baseball fan. Right. So, for me, the end of the Super Bowl – just means that opening day is getting closer. Oh, that's it means awesome. it's time for spring training. Right. Right? But I get it. For most people, it's not that way. And I think that's why this lockout really hurts. I think of all the sports, baseball has a lot of casual fans. Like, most football fans are passionate. Oh, yeah. Even most basketball fans, college basketball fans, March Madness, they follow it. They're passionate. But baseball has a lot of casual Oh, you got an extra ticket? I'll go with you. Right. And they might know three players. Go to a Dallas Cowboys game. How many p- people in those stands only know three or four players? Right. Not very many. They're right. passionate. They absolutely they know, know the second string linebacker. They yep. know who the defensive coordinator is. You go to a baseball game, if there's even at a, let's say, a passionate fan base like the Red Sox, the Cubs, 40,000 people there. Ask them who the hitting instructor is. They don't know who the hitting coach is. Right. Right? Baseball has a lot of casual fans who will go to four, five, seven games a year. Right. Those are the people I think they've turned off and are at risk of losing. It's not people like me that will always watch the game. I love the game. Right. You know, um, I grew up with the game. But the casual fan, I think, is going to be really hard to win back. And, And we're seeing that just in the ticket business. Not a lot of people calling and wanting opening day tickets. Right. We're also seeing it where teams are giving deals now. Like, hey, we're playing on – there's one team, I think it was the Milwaukee Brewers. We're playing on May 1st, 5-1. Get your tickets for $5.01. Right. 
Oh, wow. May 2nd, $5.02 upper level tickets. Like, they did that for like a six or seven day stretch. Wow. Where they're not playing like a great opponent, and they'll sell you upper level seats for five bucks. Yeah. Because they want to get your butt in the door, hoping they can recapture you, hoping you have fun and you come back a few more times this summer, hoping, obviously, to get your parking money, your beer money, and your souvenir money. But I really think they damaged the overall casual fan. Thoughts on just the getting people back in the seats to remember. Like, I I mean, April 7th, is is that midweek? When is that? Are you going down to Texas to watch the Rangers? So normally I would, but I'm going to Augusta for the Oh, Masters. that's right. Yeah. is that a, So it's a midweek opening yeah, day? Yeah, opening day is May, April 7th. Yeah. Heck, I might want to go down there and check that out, honestly. I think that, you know, just to, to go might – like I, I like going to baseball games, and I've recently been, you know, to opening day down there and, and with the Rangers, which is like a massive party, like a block party. It's awesome uh, to do that. So I, I would go to baseball games because I remember it. I wonder if, you know, that's baseball team just thinking, if I get you back in the stadium, you'll remember how much fun this is. And I'm going to say this too, and I, I've never studied this. I don't know this. Look how popular college football is. Mm-hmm. Look how popular college basketball is, especially around March Madness. College baseball, I mean, don't get me wrong. People get fired up for the College World Series in Omaha and those final eight teams. And Oklahoma State's got a heck of a chance to go this year and make interest around here really high. But in general, no one talks about college baseball. Right. And I think that also translates into having a few less fans on the highest level because people aren't familiar with the players as much. People aren't passionate about a team you know, in right. college that trans, oh, you know, like I'm not an NFL fan, but I'm a big OU fan. So what team did I cheer for? I cheered for Baker Mayfield. I cheered for him when he was playing for the Browns. I cheered for the Cardinals because of Kyler Murray. You don't have that in baseball where someone just follows a college player as they go to right. a pro team. How, how much of it also would be like there's a massive international presence in baseball. Uh, last time I checked, the African-American community was only represented by, I think, somewhere around 10% or less. And it's like, you know, when you look at the average baseball roster, there's people that have a hard time pronouncing the names. And there's a, some of baseball stars that don't even speak uh, English. And so for it's a, it's a very international sport for America's pastime. And I would say, and you're involved with youth baseball now, your son is an is a, uh, elite-level youth baseball player, and it's like, you know, you, I'm sure you see a bunch of Americans at those things, but even at youth baseball in America, it's not what it is in Mexico or in South America, these kids are being discovered at, Correct. what, five years old and being swept away to go train with people. So in 2019, no, 18, two, summer of 2018, I went on a baseball tour of Japan. Oh, wow. I went to Japan for 15 days. That's awesome. I saw 11 games in 10 different stadiums in 15 days. Baseball in Japan is like college football is here. Oh, wow. There's pep rallies. There's pre-gaming and tailgating. And a player hits a home run, he's got his own cheer. Like, if you hit a home run, you get a special cheer. If I hit a home run, it's a different cheer. And there's the, the, the passion is so high that similar to college football, they separate the seats in Japan. If you're cheering for the visiting team, there's only two or three sections you're allowed to sit in versus the home team because they're trying to keep them separate because everyone is so passionate about it. That's wild. Like, Baseball there is truly that's cool. the passion. That's really cool. Um, and it, it was one of the best trips I've ever been on. I mean, it was just so enjoyable 
learning about the Japanese culture, being in Japan, and also just watching the baseball. I mean, the baseball isn't as high a level as here, but obviously we've had some great Japanese players come over. You know, I mean, obviously Ichiro's the one that really stands out. Right. I mean, currently... Yeah. Uh, what's that kid with Shohei Otani? Yeah. Yeah. Shohei. Shohei. Yeah. That yeah. dude is incredible. Incredible. One of the league's best pitchers and hitters. It's yeah. unbelievable what he's yeah. done. So, but yeah, I think uh, the international is absolutely right. I mean, I think right now, I think I looked at this uh, last week. I think it's like 7% African American in baseball. Yep. I think it's like 38% Hispanic, either from the Dominican, from, you know, Venezuela, you know, lots of places like that. And then obviously the rest white. How concerned, I mean, with that being said, and now we're just, I'm off script here. I'm just asking questions. Um, is that, I mean, do we, do we as Americans have a hard time seeing that maybe the Major League Baseball is not overly concerned with us because there is such an international presence? Like, are people watching Major League Baseball in, in Venezuela? Like, are they tuning in and watching? The, like, I don't even know how that works. That's a good question, and yeah, I don't I, know the answer. To I that. wonder if they're supporting in that way. I do think part of the reason that baseball suffers with the youth, and this just might be me, and play basketball, right? Kid growing up, inner city. To play basketball, what do you need? You need a basketball need hoop and ball. a basketball. Yep. One person. Yeah. You can't go play baseball with one person, That's two right. people. The equipment, sure, it's not golf. But the equipment's, quote, expensive relative to playing basketball, right? right? Got to have a bat. I mean, even a, even a low-end aluminum bat right now for kids is 100 bucks. Wow. And, I mean, there's some that are eight and 900 you know. My kid will never have it because I'm not spending that for a 13-year-old to hit a baseball. That's crazy. But, you know, good baseball glove, you know, you can buy one at Walmart. I mean, you can buy a, a serviceable one at Walmart for 40 50 bucks, but most kids are spending three and 400 on gloves now. And so it becomes an expensive sport to play, where basketball just doesn't. Right. You know? um, now, the other argument of that is, well, if you can't play football with one person, football's popular. Right. So I don't know the answer. I would say that's that just fo- one angle of it. Football is getting very dangerous with all these passing camps and uh, things that they're doing away from the traditional high school seasons because I think what makes football – it's it's your school is your play like you're being discovered at your school like you're playing baseball no one cares about your high school baseball season they want you to go play in these traveling teams right Correct. I mean that's what it is same thing with softball same thing with soccer no one no scout is coming to a high school game anymore where they can go watch 500 kids perform in the DFW at a massive tournament where they can see everybody at the same time right so I think the fact that football is still rooted at home right in our at communities at our schools. You know, I think that's what's kind of helping them stay alive. But, you know, now you get some of these kids that have put such an emphasis on the seven-on-seven stuff, quarterbacks in particular. Luckily, not everybody can go shine in those things. It's just receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. But, you know, you're getting coaches now that do recruiting specifically at those things uh, to go find those kids versus coming home and, and checking them out on location. So I, I find that the, you know, what basketball has done also is intriguing because pop culture, it's so woven into what the NBA is. You know, it's it's music, it's video games, it's uh, fashion, you know, and, and the NBA helps those players get contracts away from the league to promote those things and allows them to do it in a boisterous way, which is great for the player, great for the league, and there's that symbiotic relationship there that you don't necessarily feel with baseball as much because no one knows who these players are. Well, and that goes to part of what you were talking about earlier, right? Like, 
agree with him, disagree with him. I don't even want to get into that. But LeBron has an incredible social platform. Right. LeBron James says something, 48% of the people agree with it, 52% disagree with it, whatever. Right. Mike Trout says something, no one even knows. Right. Right? Uh, I don't even know if anyone knows this, but in 2018, World Series, Red Sox, Dodgers in L.A., Mookie Betts goes out to eat after the game. He's at a restaurant. He asks them what they're going to do for with the rest of their food. They're like, oh, you know, can't donate it because of health code, blah, blah. He's like, well, I'm going to buy it, package it up into go containers. And Mookie Betts goes out to one of the worst areas in Los Angeles and starts handing out containers of food. After the World Series. After a World Series game, he's going to play the next day. And mind you, he was on the Red Sox then, not the Dodgers. He's the opposing team. Not that that really matters, but – handing it out to homeless people and hungry people, handing out all this food. No one barely knows. Did you know that? No, absolutely If LeBron James did that. It's national news. It's It's international news. Yeah, absolutely international news. And it's, again, though, I think part of that is the leadership of baseball. They just haven't marketed the game correctly. They don't market it to kids. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go up to the, the baseball card store, the drug store. I could buy packs of baseball cards for 35 cents. Right. Maybe the premium ones, the stadium clubs in the upper deck, were a dollar or two dollars. Right. They're coming out with cards now where baseball cards are $300 a pack. That's insane. $3,000 for a box. Now, don't get me wrong. They have a few base ones that are still. But even the base ones are $8 a pack at Walmart now. Wow. And so you've just priced a lot of kids out of the sport. That's crazy. And it's heartbreaking to me because I love this. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people around the country that are uh, our age and older that can tell stories about just sitting down, listening to baseball games, keeping their statistics, you know, having their – there's how many kids know how to even do that? I don't know how to do that right now, keep a stat sheet for a baseball game, when it was that every kid on the neighborhood knew how to do that at one point. Growing up, I would sit watching White Sox games, and I would sit on the telephone with my grandma Thelma she was a crazy White Sox fan, just like me. And I, she, I'd tell her, turn down your TV. And she'd turn down her TV, and she'd watch it. And I would announce the games to her. I was her announcer. That's awesome. Growing up. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, baseball is, is family. You know, there's, it's a rich family tradition. And it, and it just seems like, like you said, because of leadership, they've lost a grip on the country. And I don't ever know that they're going to get it back. Like, what's, I guess that's what's next. Like, what does baseball do to get back in our good graces? How can they um, – reinvent their image and if they it's almost like a moot point because the leadership is so bad and clearly doesn't care correct right and i think part of that is embracing the personalities that there are like even in the nba okay you have some guys like for instance when kevin durant was in oklahoma city as great of a player as he was and he was involved in the community even though i know a lot of our people here don't love the guy he was a great person in our community but he wasn't the face of the NBA. He was never the personality of the NBA. You know, he's not like LeBron is as far as just being out there. Baseball is the same. Mike Trout, I don't think Mike Trout's personality loan, lends him to being the most marketable guy. Right. But Mookie Betts sure does. Right. Mookie Betts, I mean, I don't know if people even know this. Mookie Betts is an incredible athlete outside of baseball. He, he bowls perfect games, 300 perfect games. Seriously? He can dunk a basketball. Wow. Uh, I mean... And he's just a great, like, personality, always out there, you know, talking to people, doing things, you know. And there are some people like that in baseball, but baseball doesn't embrace it. And I don't know why. So weird. Like, even from, like, an apparel standpoint, you know, baseball and fashion in baseball, these guys, I mean, they have style. It's just like, it's just baseball does everything in their power not to engage 
them. Well, and, and, and the players make so much money now. Like, I don't even know that they necessarily care, right? Like, Russell Westbrook cares because Russell Westbrook makes more money doing other things than he does playing basketball right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's a huge part of their brand and the income that they're bringing in annually. Baseball is – it's astronomical when you're – how much is Mike Trout making right now? $50 million a year. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and I, I think another part of it is for because there's no salary cap in baseball – there's no, there's no lo- I mean, not there's loyalty in any sport, but I right. just feel like the players change teams a lot more in baseball than they do in any other sport. Like the days of your Cal Ripkins playing 22 years in one organization or George Brett, Robin Yount, they're just not there right now. I mean, will it happen with Mike Trout? Maybe, but, you know, everyone thought Mookie Betts is never going to leave the Red Sox, and they, you know, he's in the dot, he's in L.A. now. You know, people thought, you know, Chris Bryant's never going to leave the Cubs. He won a World Series. But, again, back to the whole labor and service manipulation, he said it out loud that the service manipulation, the Cubs trying to rob him of one-year service time, really didn't sit well with him. And it right. sat there for a long time. You know, yeah, he loved the city. He loved winning a World Series. So I just don't know how you get people back. I mean, I wish I did know, but I could tell you this. Rob Manfred is not the commissioner to lead this sport, and they're going to have to find somebody. I agree 100% with that. Rob Manfred must go uh, for baseball. You know, I, I got a name for you that builds up a brand that I think could lead anything, and I, people laugh at me when I say this, okay? I think he should probably be the president of the NCAA and not baseball, but this tells you what a leader does. Joe Castiglione. Oh, yeah. Joe Castiglione needs to be the president of the NCAA if he yeah, ever leaves OU. 100%. I think you he know. should be the first chancellor of, or whatever you want to call it, of, of, of that 100%. You need someone with that leadership quality and personality. Rob, sure, Rob Manfred's a scholar and very educated. But just because you're educated and a scholar doesn't mean you're intelligent. Like, there's a difference between educated and intelligent. And Thoughts? I don't think he runs the game intelligently. Let me throw a, a curveball at you here. Thoughts on Magic Johnson? As far as? Leading baseball. I mean, you know, some people are going to say, oh, he's a basketball guy. Right. But obviously he owns part of the Dodgers. Yeah. He's a very savvy businessman. I never right. heard that name thrown out, but I'll tell you this. I've heard way worse ideas. Okay. And you give me... Am I saying he'd be my first choice? I'd have to, you know, learn some more about what he believes in as far as promotion and how to run the game. But I'd take him right now over Rob Manfred. 100%. I'm, how about that? I would take Sam Mays over Rob Manfred. <laughs> you just told me you don't even love the – you're not I'm passionate, not a, about, passionate the about the game. I'm not passionate about the game, yeah. But you're a passionate person. Right. Rob, I, it to, makes me mad what's happened to baseball. That's the other it thing does. is Rob yeah. Manfred just isn't a passionate human being, right? right. Like, he speaks like this and yeah. talk. I mean – how does that get people excited to come watch your game? Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. I mean, I feel the same way about him as I do Bob Bowlesby leading the Big Twelve right now. Disaster. All right, let's uh, let's throw out. We're gonna get make some predictions because that's what we do. We want to uh, be able to look at each other at the end of the season and say I was right or you were wrong. I'm gonna guess that you're probably gonna be a little more right here than I am. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but let's let, we'll start with the National League. Uh, I think the NL West is probably one of the easiest predictions in baseball right now. Is the LA Dodgers by far the best team in the division and the best team in Major League Baseball, in my opinion? It is the best lineup I've ever seen thrown out there. Top to bottom, there's not a weak spot. I mean. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner. Big, I mean, huge names. Just yeah. all guys that just, you know, bang the ball. I mean, did they lose Max Scherzer? Yes. You know, 
He's on the Mets now. Right. But the lineup is so potent, and the pitching is still deep. I mean, it's, you know, people forget they still have Clayton Kershaw. Dustin right. May is going to come back from injury. You know, I mean, they're just so deep. They've also so done deep. a really good job cultivating their farm system, right? Like, it, to the point that it sticks out yeah, what I the mean, Dodgers have done. I haven't even mentioned names. Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy. Both homegrown there in L.A. Right. You know, they've got guys coming up that can't even find the field. There's a kid right now, Jaron Kendall. He's a catcher. He can't he can't make it up to L.A. right now. Right. They've still got players awesome. waiting. They're deep. They're one of the few teams that if one of their top three or four players get injured, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good baseball teams right now, but if one of their three or four players get injured, you're going, hmm, what are they going to do? Dodgers have one player get injured, they're okay. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The depth is, is real, and they're competent. And they're, like, the Dodgers believe when they take They've the, experienced success. Yeah, absolutely. All right, NL Central, for me, it's a two-team race between the Brewers and the St. Louis Cards. I give the advantage to the Brewers, a couple of Cy Young candidates in the starting rotation uh, with Burns and Woodruff. And uh, the bullpen, impressive. The lineup, impressive. Just a very good baseball team. The Brewers are my pick in the Central, too. Okay. Uh, I'm a big believer in Christian Yelich. He had an offseason during COVID and last year. But the guy was the NL MVP and a batting champion. You don't forget how to hit. Right. That's just who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think he's going to be healthy. I think he can lead that team. Uh, I think Woodruff has a great chance to win a Cy Young Award. Um, you know, the Reds, the Cubs, the Pirates, they're still in rebuild mode, although I do like some of the things the Reds are doing. They're still a few years away. The Cardinals, don't get me wrong, bringing back Albert Pujols, great nostalgia move. Absolutely. He should retire as a Cardinal. But if he's seriously getting 300 or 400 bats right now, that tells you you're just a little bit, a rung below where the Brewers are, I think. Right. So, I'm going with the Brewers. How old is Pujols right now? 40, 40. I'm going to say 43, but I'm going to look it up. That's insane. That uh, That's the cool thing about baseball. So, and I envy uh, players of that game. He's is, 42. Yeah. And, and, you know, playing in your 40s is not an abnormal thing in that in that league, and it's awesome. I wish I could have played football. Well, and here's the other thing. Think of all the other sports. Unless your name's Tom Brady, tell me someone who's succeeded past the age of 40. Right, right. I mean. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, NL East, give me Atlanta Braves coming off a World Series win over the Mets. They were the surprise team in the Major League Baseball last year. I feel like they have, I mean, essentially the same team coming back, right? They do. I'm going with the Mets. Oh, wow. Okay. I, uh, I think Max Scherzer makes the difference. I think the pitching, you throw Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer out there in a playoff series if they're healthy, wow. I mean, it's, uh, I mean that's like Drysdale and Koufax back in the day, Spawn and Sane for the Brewers, or for the Braves, sorry. Um, I'm taking the Mets. Okay. All right. And All I'm right. Also, I also think it's ridiculous that the Braves let Freddie Freeman walk away over one extra year. Who they the bring guy. in though? They brought in. They got uh, Matt Olson yeah, from the A's. Right. He's a triple crown contender and a great player. And cheaper. But how do you let Freddie Freeman walk when the guy won your World Series? He was the face of your franchise. Right. That to me is also the side of baseball that I find confusing. The World Series success and then sometimes just complete dumping of that team. Yeah. Right. I think the Mariners did it at one point and when in my youth and the then Marlins, uh, the or Marlins, the Marlins. Yeah. 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 I mean, just won a World Series and then it's like. Well, now we're going to sell everything. It's the weirdest thing that I, I've noticed in baseball. Yeah, it happens. It happens. And, again, I, I just – I don't know, one extra year. Like, you could have sold enough jerseys and 
sold enough tickets with Freddie Freeman. Now, again, Matt Olson probably is as good or better than Freddie Freeman right now. Right. But when the guy's the face of your franchise, he's still got productive years. So you want him to play five years, and he wants six. Right. So what? Make that deal happen. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right, looking at the American League, the AL West, it's a no-brainer for me. The Houston Astros, if they stay healthy, and obviously Verlander back in the, uh, in the big city. I'm going with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Are you really? I am. They weren't on anybody's radar out of all the studying I did in the last 36 hours. I'm going with them. I think they're going to stay healthy. I think a healthy Anthony Rendon at third base adds okay. so much to that lineup. I think Otani takes another step pitching. The Astros lost Carlos Correa. I think they're still really good, the Astros. I right. wish, I mean, this is kind of my off-the-wall pick a little bit. Okay. But I just think it's time for the Angels to finally put it together. Because okay. I think if the Angels don't make the playoffs this year, as quiet and humble as Mike Trout has been, he's always been the guy that hasn't complained. I think you're going to hear some noise about it's time to trade me. I mean, you're talking about the greatest baseball talent in 15 years. That's crazy. And he's played, you know, nothing. He's played for nothing. Right. I think this is the year they actually win the division. uh, Now, the Texas Rangers, I know a lot of local people like the Rangers. They're going to be like the Rangers of when they had Pudge and Juan Gunn and all those guys. And Palmero. They're going to hit the living crap out of the ball, not and they're not going to be able to pitch. But if you want to oh, see yeah. a lot of runs scored, go to some Rangers games this year. Okay. I love the Corey Seager edition. I do love that. Okay. All right. Rangers fans should be excited about the show uh, down there in Dallas. AL Central, Chicago White Sox have the best rotation in American League, and their lineup is outstanding. I know you're big White Sox fans. You've got to be thrilled about the potential of them winning uh, the Central this year. I'm very excited. They are my pick to win the Central. I don't really even think it should be close. The Tigers are on the right track. The Twins have hitting, no pitching. The Royals and Guardians or Indians, if you want to call them. So that's going to be right. Weird. That's odd. Yeah. They're just still rebuilding. Um, but I love the White Sox lineup. Uh, I love their starting pitching, but I think their bullpen is the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, I mean, they added Joe Kelly, who's got over 40 games of postseason experience with the Dodgers and Red Sox. They added him to an already stout bullpen. Um, I was a little disappointed they didn't add a right fielder. They got a second baseman. They got Josh Harrison, who's not a big, sexy name like Trevor Story or Corey Seager adding into places at shortstop. But he's a solid two-time all-star second baseman who can hit. He can field. I really wanted a right fielder, though. Okay. I actually think this is the year that Tim Anderson for the White Sox wins the American League Most Valuable Player. All right. He's been a batting champion. He's a leader. I think he wins the Most Valuable Player this year. How often do you get up to Chi-Town for games? Not as often as I like, but I go when they're in Arlington. And uh, I'll go see him play a few years. Last last year I went to the Field of Dreams game in Iowa. Oh, okay. Very cool. that was one of the best games I've ever been to. Very cool. All right, AL East. This is, in my opinion – uh, this is one of the most competitive divisions you're going to find in all of sports, right? When you consider uh, the cast of characters that you've got there, obviously with the Yankees, the Red Sox, Toronto, uh, just some ex- some teams willing to spend money and some teams that like the spotlight. And it just it's great baseball year in, year out. Uh, I'm, give me Toronto. The offseason was great. They play excellent, um, uh, excellent defense. And I feel like, you know, when you look at uh, – uh, Matt Chapman, excuse me, and yeah. his bat. With the talent they added this year surrounding him, he should be better, right, offensively in my opinion. So I think it's going to be a tough one. You're talking about the difference in a game or two in this division. But, yeah, give me the give me the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. 
I agree. I'm taking the Blue Jays also. I think adding Matt Chapman is key. Their lineup is just loaded with George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Chapman. They added Kevin Gossman to the starting rotation. Um, my only thing about the Blue Jays is their pitching is not deep. Right. If they have a pitching injury, I think this division will be difficult to hold up. We're like in the Central, the White Sox. If they have a pitching injury, I think there's enough space between them and the Tigers and Twins. They can survive it for a little while. Right. I think the Blue Jays lose a good top not top line and pitcher. They're, they're going to be hurting. And right. I don't know if their bullpen will hold up, but I'm taking the Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at the Yankees and Rays, also very competitive teams. And, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a hiccup could hurt them for sure in yeah, that division. The, but the, it, Rays, the Rays intrigue me because their hitting is solid with Wander Franco and Austin Meadows right. and Rose Arena. But the Rays' problem is they've already got one pitcher. Tyler Glass now is out for the season. Shane Baz has elbow issues. Uh, they've already got two injuries they're dealing with in the starting rotation that's not very deep. So right. I'm, uh, oh, I've cooled on the Rays a little bit. I'm taking the Blue Jays. Okay. What's your, your World Series pick? So my World Series pick is the Dodgers to beat the Blue Jays. Man, I've been the same thing. <laughs> in, in, the American League, in the American League, I have the Blue Jays beating the White Sox in the American League Championship Series. Okay. In the National League, I have the Dodgers over the Brewers. And in the World Series, I'm going with the Dodgers to beat the Blue Jays. I just think the Dodgers are too deep hitting, pitching, right. bullpen. That said, it would absolutely not shock me if the Mets can beat the Dodgers in a series. I, I really do think that when, like it the gets to, when it gets to playoff baseball, starting pitching is king. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. They got Kershaw. They got May. You can roll – Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer out there for the Mets. I mean, they could have you and me batting. I mean, it's it's scary. If the Mets make the playoffs, they're going to be scary. All right, there it is. That is the uh, Sam Base Podcast, uh, Major League Baseball opening day, uh, whatever you want to call it. I, I love this. This conversation was incredible. I literally, I, we kind of, you know, I, I prep for these things, but you never really know where they're going to go. I've started a podcast with somebody and this is our first time to do this together. Yeah, it is. And I've started a first-time podcast and thought, this is going to last 12 minutes. And then I've done one like this where it's been an hour, and I had no idea it's been an hour. I love this, every second of it. Um, I wanted to throw this out there real quick to you. You know, Totally Tickets, obviously, is uh, a ticket company. You can come get your tickets. And I love using Totally Tickets because of the local flair to this. Like, you go to Ticketmaster and these other things, and there's not a real person there or an Oklahoman there that's helping you when things don't go well. We go down Am down. I an Oklahoman now? I've been you, here 30 years. Yeah, I'm an Oklahoma. Oklahoma now. Heck, I'm in Oklahoma now, apparently. But we, uh, uh, I was going down to a Dallas Cowboy game. This is a true story here. Uh, we get tickets from, from Mike and Totally Tickets. We go down to the Dallas Cowboy game. We get there, and we get the ticket scanned, and something had happened to them. I forget what had gone down, or somebody had scanned them, or something. I'm panicking. And in the situation when you're dealing with uh, a, a you know, ticket company somewhere else uh, with someone who doesn't care, who knows how long that's going to take. I called Mike, and literally in 10 minutes, he had me walking – maybe 500 yards from where I was standing to a place where I got new tickets. Everything was taken care of. The seats were even better than the original ones. I walked right back to the stadium. We got in, had a great time, and time for the game to get started. Like, that kind of customer service is just uh, – it's impossible to find today. So, if you are here in this state and you need tickets for anything, oh, you softball games that are coming up. We've got a bunch of great shows uh, coming up here. Um, here recently, the next couple – who am I really excited about? We just talked about this. Uh, country artist that's coming up in May, June. Brooks this, and Dunn? 
Brooks and Dunn Brooks is and Dunn. one, and then uh, Cody. Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson. Yeah. I'm Cody pumped Johnson. to see Cody Johnson. Yeah, so uh, a bunch of great shows coming up here in the area. You can get your tickets at totallytickets.com, and Mike and his crew will take care of you. But the Eric, have you seen this Eric Church story? I did, and you know what? Oh, so many guys in my industry, for those that don't know, Eric Church had a concert scheduled in San Antonio for Saturday night. It's been sold out for probably a year, and he – Rather than canceling the concert due to COVID or saying, oh, the stage configuration had a problem or someone got COVID or this or that, he was honest with his fans. Yeah. He wrote him a letter and said, I'm a passionate North Carolina fan. I've been waiting for this day my entire life for North Carolina to play Duke in the NCAA tournament, and I'm canceling the concert and giving you refunds because I want to go support my team. I hope you understand because that's the same passion you show for my music. Yes, I loved it. And I love it. Yep. I absolutely love the authenticity, being honest. In this day and age, it's so rare. 99% of other artists would have came up with some bullshit excuse. Uh, 100%. Of COVID or whatever else. I love it. I mean, yes, if you had plans and you had a babysitter, it stinks. I get it. You're a little upset. Right. But I just want to give the guy a clap for, you know, being honest about it. I, I also love this, and I've talked about this with Brittany this morning as I'm prepping for the show, and she said, of course you love it. You're a sports fan. Because I'm like, I love, like you said, the authenticity and the honesty, and it's Coach K and Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four for the first time in history. Yeah. Ever. Anybody who is a fan of those two teams who are fanatic basketball schools, if you could afford it, you're going to be in that arena, no matter what you've got to do to do it. This man is a multimillionaire. He 100% can afford to get him and whoever he wants to go to this game to watch history be made. Of course he's going to go. That makes sense to, to you and I, right? right? 100%. Uh, if you look at some of the comments of this, as I was reading about it, people are pissed. $800 flights. You know, we spent this kind of money on a hotel. I'm already here type of thing. You know, I've been here for 10 days. We've been vacationing, and now you ended our vacation with this. There are a lot of people that are upset, but I think that I, it's country music in particular. I feel like there's a little crossover between mainstream sports and country music now, and I think it'll be just fine, but I found that such an interesting story for a show. Like, what does that do for your industry? Like, does it... We have to refund anyone that bought tickets from okay. us, and we lose some profit on it. Right. We did sell, I don't, not very many, but we sold a few. We sold a lot of stuff in Texas, and we right. hit down as far south as San Antonio. But I'm going to guess someone in his camp advised him against doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that someone in his camp said, we need to cite COVID. Your stage manager got COVID, your lighting guy, someone in your band, whatever. And I'm just going to... Just the way Eric Church has been publicly about right. everything... I'm just going to guess. He said, no, I'm going to play it honest. I'm going to deal with the backlash. Yeah. And, again, I, I, I think it's great. And I I'm going to go great. to the game and be seen on television and not ridiculed for lying. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's – I think that's great. I think it's awesome. Mike, thank you so much for your time appreciate today. It. I appreciate it. Thank you Absolutely. so much for being a part of the Sam Mays podcast. Uh, you're going to hear a bunch about Totally Tickets over the next uh, year as Mike's on board for a while. We're going to talk a lot about what's coming up with football season, tickets for OU, OSU games. Uh, if you're looking for Dallas Cowboy games, it's a great place to get those. And right now, for re- in the recent, in the future, uh, the OU softball game is one of the hottest tickets you're going to find here in the state. Go to TotallyTickets.com and you can get yourself tickets for that and the Women's College World Series, which obviously – the Sooners look like they're going to be a very big part of. Uh, thank Oklahoma you. Oklahoma State may be there too. Yeah, the Cowgirls they're ranked eighth or ninth in the country. Yeah, softball. This is the home, right? This is it. The softball world uh, kind of starts and ends right here in Oklahoma City. It does. All right, thank buddy. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate Got it. it.